Welcome back, guys, to the Measured by Success podcast. This week, we are delighted to welcome professional golfer Paul Dunn onto the show. Originally from Greystones in Ireland, Paul was the 2010 Irish Youth Champion and went on to attend college at the University of Alabama, Birmingham. He then went on to represent the successful Walker Cup winning team of 2015 and also led the Open after three rounds as an amateur before turning pro at the end of 2015. His career highlight to date is his three-stroke victory at the British Masters in 2017. Paul has recently recovered from a long-term injury, so it was great to chat about his rehabilitation, his mental approach to injury, and to the game of golf itself, along with his strength and conditioning programming. Paul is a member of the European Tour, so you can follow his progress in upcoming tournaments, and you can also follow him on social media at pauldunn11. Now, on to this week's episode with Paul Dunn. All right, guys, welcome back to the Measured by Success podcast. Today, we're very lucky to be joined by golfer Paul Dunn. Paul, how are you getting on? Yeah, I'm good. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, things are, are settling down in Singapore here. A little bit different to, to Ireland at the moment, I hear. Yeah, yeah, things in Ireland are they're strange. You know, you walk around and it's like life is normal with everyone wearing a mask. But I think the numbers have started to to spike a little bit. So we don't know what's in the, the near future for us. But hopefully nothing as drastic as we had earlier in the year. Fantastic. So I'd love to get stuck straight into maybe some stuff about injury. I know you, you mentioned you've been just coming off the back of an injury. What have you been recovering from? I had, I had surgery on, on my hand back in the end of November. Um, so I had a problem with the, my cap tape bone and I had a, a cyst in my hand in behind it. So I had to get them uh, dealt with. And then it's quite a slow, long and slow recovery process. I mean, it was seven months before I could play again. Um, and you know in there there's there's like little bits that you can do to kind of keep things going and one of the main things is trying to get the strength back up in my forearm because having not used my hand for so long um my grip strength and forearm strength obviously deteriorated in that space of time so i looked a bit like rafael nadal with a left left to right forearm (laughs) muscle mass but um yeah it's still something i'm I'm dealing with you know i'm not fully over yet I i can play golf i just can't play as much as i want to I can't okay. put in full days practice consistently um, without having some form of uh, needing rest after it. So, yeah, it's a little frustrating, but it's it's uh, something I think a lot of people have to deal with throughout their careers. How did you how did you discover that injury? You know, was it something that just came on slowly and started to bother you? Yeah, no, I'm. I, I felt when it happened. You know, I was out practicing and the club kind of stuck in the hand or the club stuck in the ground, um, kind of got a jolt of the hand. I felt something, I didn't, I didn't know what happened, but I felt something was a little different. And um, over the next couple of weeks, it got progressively worse to, to the point when, you know, I, I just couldn't move my hand in, or couldn't move my wrist in certain directions without pain coming in. So then all of a sudden I couldn't hit certain shots because like I couldn't. Uh, manipulate the club or maneuver the club. Yeah, deviation and flexion. No, extension. Extension and deviation. I, I didn't have an, a, enough um, well, of a range in it to be able to like set the club and lay it in behind me and hit, like, hit the ball. And then as I was coming up to impact, I was getting like, a sharp pain in my hands. That's when I knew I needed to get it checked out. So I um, had all the scans and all that. And then the surgeon told me that I needed just a pretty simple operation on it. But it's just a one of those that it's 
there's there was very little risk in it, but it was just a slow burner to recover from it. Exactly. And what what does the rehab involve for that, or what have you been working on over the past seven months? You mentioned a lot of the well, forearm for the strengthening there as well. Yeah, the first like couple of months I was in the cast, so there wasn't much. Um, I had to do a little bit with, with an elastic band around my fingers to try and keep stretching that yeah. out while I was yeah. in the cast, just to kind of try and keep my hand moving or keep it working somewhat. Then as I, as I came out of the cast, it was um, obviously very weak and sore, you know, so for, for a couple of weeks after that, there wasn't a whole lot going on. It was just about trying to get any movement back in it and, and get to a position where it wasn't painful. Um, then everything has been based around like grip strength, forearm strength, and make trying to get the range back in every direction the wrist should move. So um, I have had a lot of physio on like small bone manipulation in the hand and wrist and like grip strength stuff would have been just like hanging from a chin up bar. Yeah. Um, and one of those wrist rollers, uh, these little kind of banded sequences, exercises. Um, and then the, the, the range stuff is just, just kind of putting it, putting an inflection and extension and wrapping a band around it and trying to get it to pull it in the opposite direction and um, that sort of thing. So it's been a, I, I, the range came back fairly quickly. The pain uh, and strength took longer, um, but it's been okay. It's been an interesting process, but kind of boring to be honest. A lot of, a lot of time going to the gym for an hour and being very bored. So if I didn't have a few podcasts to listen to, I would have, Gone a bit mental. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, mentally, how do you approach, you know, rehabbing a long-term injury like that? Yeah, I think you just take it step by step. You know, at, at first I was in the cast. It was around Christmas time, so I didn't mind too much. You know, it's quite a social time of year anyway. So, yeah. uh, and it'd be it'd be the the month of the year where I wouldn't play any golf anyway. So it was like nothing was different except for the fact that people had to cut my food up for me. <laughs> um. Apart from that, it was fine. And then I think as like middle of January hit and everyone started to go back to tournaments and everyone you knew then started to go back off to their jobs, then it was just a little bit more um, of realization that I had nothing to do exactly. <laughs> to fill the day. Um, but that's okay. You know, that was just kind of part and parcel of it. And then, uh, yeah, it wasn't long before that then or long after that when COVID kind of kicked in and took the limelight from everything <laughs> so been potentially lucky in a sense that you haven't missed a, a bigger chunk of of a golf season by having a little bit of a curtailed by COVID yeah and I'm lucky because the the way this year is gone there everyone's going to start next year with the same position that they would have started this year with so they, like they, we have a, se- a a 2020 season but it doesn't have any impact on on your categories or playing privileges for 2021 well, nor- when normally it does. So okay. they're kind of using everyone's 2019 to determine where they play in for 2021. So it means I get to start the 2021 season from, from the start rather than having to come in halfway through like I would have this year. So um, timing wise, it, it's been actually pretty good, but it, it, we, we definitely feel like we're in a situation that's going to be hard to get out of. So to be honest, yeah, definitely. Myself and Dave are kind of big believers in looking at these long-term setbacks as, as opportunities and not just injuries. 
golf is a little bit more difficult when you have a hand injury, right? You obviously can't swing or grip or, or practice as much, but is there any, anything else that you maybe focused on during the time off, whether it was maybe lower body strength or working on the mental side of the game or anything like that? Well, yeah, I did a few, um, I kind of tried to iron out some creases that I had in my body. So like my right hip has always been, uh, not as strong as my left in terms of taking load. And obviously at the top of my backswing, your right hip gets loaded up. So, um, yeah, I did a lot of work on that. Similar on my left shoulder. My left shoulder always um, was a little bit weaker than my right. So just different little banded exercises to kind of chip away at those and um, and kind of just even out the playing field and balance things out. So my left and right side of my body were, you know, both improving, but one of them wasn't taking yeah, the brunt of the work off the other one because that's kind of what I guess causes injuries in the long run. Absolutely. Sorry about the noise in the background. <laughs> That's all right. The nature of the game. Um, so apart from the wrist, was the wrist your first major injury that you've kind of had, the first major injury setback in your career? Or have you had other ones that you've had to deal with? No, I think it's my only injury, to be honest. Like I've had a lot of just, you know, tightness or soreness, but I mean, everyone has that, you know. Um, but I haven't had to take any time off for anything else before. So uh, it was definitely, uh, you know, a first for me. And then when you, when I think of getting injured and taking time off, I, my head normally goes to eight to 12 weeks, you know, and then when I was told it would be six or seven months, it was also a much longer time frame than I was expecting to hear. So, um, yeah, that's the, the one and only for me and hopefully the last. Hopefully, hopefully. Do, do you think that, you know, injuries in professional golf are maybe more common than meets the eye? Yeah, oh, for sure. Wrist, um, wrist injuries are very common. Um, like if you go to any tournament, you'll see a lot of people with their wrists strapped up anyway. Um, knee injuries are common, shoulders. Um, I think they're the most common. And then like just general tightness in the back, neck and shoulders. Like that's, I think every, every golfer complains about that every day, you know, cause it is quite an abnormal position kind of hunched over. Um, and your body's moving at quite a high speed for a long period of the day. So. Um, yeah, the physios on the tour definitely are the, the unsung heroes. Yeah, well, that's my next question. So how, how big of a role do you think they play in, in maybe you guys staying injury-free or, or even potentially further on into how you perform? Yeah, I think, uh, I think it differs massively between people, you know. Like uh, strength and conditioning has become a, a big part of the game now when 20 years ago it probably wasn't. Um, Tiger kind of brought that uh, or made it more popular. But you can kind of see with, with the S&C work, the, the people's careers are being prolonged. So as people get to 50 now, which normally they go on to the seniors tour, you see a lot more people 45 to 50 being able to compete on main tours than you used to. Um, but then obviously that's the other side effect. You see some people, some big names that are big into the gym um, yeah, I think you, you think of obviously Bryson DeChambeau is the big one that comes to mind there, right? And him. yeah, well, he's the first one that's really been able to add significant speed in a fairly short period of time. You know, he's definitely not the first one to try it, um, but he seems to be the first one that's gone to such extremes with an idea. Um, yeah, but that that that's one as well that you know a lot of people are saying that he'll get injured, but sure, he hasn't got injured yet. It's a matter of 
time being the teller for that one, you know. Um, but it definitely opens up possibilities in, in your head of, like, I, I'd be keen to give that a go, you know. Like, who yeah. wouldn't, you know, if you take your career seriously, you can add, you know, 10 miles an hour by, by doing that in an off-season. So, uh, definitely interesting. Yeah, and I mean, in theory, from, a, from, let's say, an injury prevention and a performance perspective, the more muscle you have, the less likely you are to get injured, right? Because muscle protects joints and everything like that, too. Maybe on impact with the ground, the more muscle you have, if you were at risk of an injury, might be at less risk if, if, if you're stronger. But then will also improve your performance. That kind of brings me on then to your, to your emphasis on strength and conditioning. How much of an emphasis, emphasis do you place on that? And you know, how many times a week would you be in the gym? And if you don't mind sharing, what kind of, of stuff do you do there? Yeah, well, I, it's been a bit different recently with the, with, with the lockdown and everything. But normally I do three or four days a week um, of, of lifting. I do a couple of days with some cardio and then I do some form of warm up stretching kind of routine, um, like a dynamic warm up every day. So I guess I'm in the gym at a tournament every day, but some days are, you know, 30 minutes of very non strenuous stuff and other days are, 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 are more difficult. But in terms of general lifts, I would have been doing, um, front squats, deadlifts, um, you know, different stuff for the abs. I was always trying to, to activate my lower abs to try and get the my rib cage to stop flaring up, um, get better control in there. Um, I was trying to strengthen my glutes and take a bit more of the, I tend to be quite quaddy. I take a lot of the weight in my quads instead of my glutes. Um, and then the deadlift was mainly for postural stuff because I, mean, I spent a whole day like this yeah. with my shoulders crouched down. Um, it kind of gets the back muscles working properly. Um, but then obviously through the lockdown, the, all the gyms were closed and I had the setup we had in America, we had some, some dumbbells and stuff. So I, I did it to as, you know, as much as I could, but obviously the, the load would have been significantly down, you know, with two 20 kilo dumbbells instead of you know, a heavy deadlift. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely been something for me that's good. I've always been fairly strong, um, especially my lower body. So, uh, I'd say that has been one reason why I definitely haven't, you know, suffered any injuries kind of in that area of the body. But um, yeah, it's something that I think everyone takes seriously. I don't think there's any player that doesn't do something, you know. And I'd say 30 years ago, there was a lot, I'd say more than half the players did nothing. So um, there's definitely been a big shift in, in focus kind of with the whole uh sports science kind of movement that's been going on around all sports you know do you have a specific strength and conditioning coach yeah my strength and conditioning coach is Enda king he works in the um, sports surgery clinic in santry yeah. um and he does he does kind of my physio so he, he's been the one that's been in uh like taking charge of the re- rehab and recovery of and the rest uh, my hands yeah so he's not like a full-time physio for me but he is now because <laughs> he's dealing with the hand but before that he would have been more of an S&T coach and he'd be more a believer in um, ironing out creases and, and exercises uh, have more of an impact than like soft tissue physio so yeah like myself um, and then when you're on tour what's, what's the setup like with, with the physiotherapist that the, that the tour provides would, would some players bring their own physio along 
or would you just kind of use those guys if you needed a bit of a soft tissue release or a few bits like yeah, that? Yeah, there's, there's tour physios and then there's private physios. So some people have their own. Uh, there's a tour truck that goes around every week. So it's like a, I don't know, a big 18-wheeler truck and the, the back of it is a gym. Uh, so it's got, it's got your lifting platforms and uh, some, some dumbbells, all the bands. It's got everything you need in the gym. It's just in a condensed space. Uh, probably enough space for two or three people to work out at the same time. Then the, the other one, half, is the one I, you see on the European tour videos when they put up a few videos of some lads might have seen yourself yes. in one or two videos on Instagram. That's it. Yeah, that's the truck. That's the inside of the truck. And then um, the other the the other half of the truck has three physio beds. And most weeks there's three physios. The odd week there's only two, but um, they're just available for whatever you need them for. So you go in. Uh, Sometimes people have ongoing treatment that they know what they're getting and other times people are just like sore and tight and want to, you know, general flush out of different areas uh, just to feel better. And um, the tour also have two strength and conditioning coaches. So one of them goes to probably half the events. Um, so they offer a free S&C yeah, program for anyone who wants it that's a member. So, um, you know, a lot of people avail of that. And... I think the reason some people bring their private physios is they can get us whenever they want. They don't have, they never have to wait because sometimes you go in and there's a couple of people waiting in the queue in front of you. Um, but it also means like they have opening hours, you know, they'll open an hour and a half for the first tee off and they'll close when the last group finishes. Yeah, yeah. But some people want, want the physio in the evening, you know, after dinner or something at half nine in their hotel room. So, uh, and scheduled in for, you know, exactly what they wanted. So I think that's, Generally, the guys who are doing better and have a bit more cash pay for the private physios, you know. Makes sense, all right. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned that you have a few things that you do on a daily basis, a bit of a, let's say, a mobility flow. Is there anything that you specifically do to stay injury-free, maybe from your hip perspective or, or anything else? Maybe a pre-round well, routine or anything? Just before I hit balls, I, I take a, one of the black therabands and wrap it around my – or I just kind of step over put it around my hip. Yeah. And then uh, tie it around a you know a bar or something, stretch it out, and I take a lot of back swings to where my hip takes the load, and then try and balance on my right leg. Just kind of activate the hip, activate where I wanted to take load, you know. Um, so I I do a couple of exercises like that just before I go to hit some shots, um, for my hip and for my shoulders, and just to get the 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 areas that I want to be working the hardest fired up. So they're ready to go. Um, and apart from that, it's generally just about kind of getting loose in the mornings, but not just to doing static stretching. Because you know, for me, especially with a lot of travel, um, I would get tight hips anyway. So it's trying to keep the hips loose, the hamstrings loose. Um, I have a couple of bits I do with my neck. You know, it's it's a it's all postural stuff. You know, it's because you're bent over all day, putting or hitting shots, and then in between events, you're on long haul flights. Um, kind of slouched over on an airplane seat that it's it's just kind of trying to keep things you know as fresh as they would be if you were at home and be able to do that stuff every day and how much of an emphasis do you uh, place onto the mental side of golf oh yeah i mean like the mental side of golf is is at that level it's it's more than 90 percent of the battle because you're at a stage where everybody can play you know everyone can play the game well when you're at one of those tournaments so um, the 
physical limitations aren't really there. So then it's about getting yourself in the right mindset, the right mind frame that works for you. Um, and, you know, everyone talks about just kind of staying with the process. I think the most important thing is for someone to find a process that works for them first and then being able to stick with it. Um, you know, and a lot of golf is making sure you're happy off the course as well, you know, taking some time off to kind of reset and, and go again. I'm sure it's, uh, you know, difficult to get into that right mindset when, when things aren't going your way. Um, so sticking to the process probably becomes very, very important, but might also be maybe more difficult than meets the eye. So how do you, how do you train or, or improve on your mental strength? Yeah, well, I think, I mean, you touched on a good point is that, that you know, it's, a, it's an interesting one because it's a golf for your own boss, you know. So if you come up with the process yourself, and if it's not working, it's very easy for someone to think that they're doing, you know, the wrong things and then to change their ideas. I think it's very important to kind of stick with, you know, stick with the plan for a, a prolonged period of time rather than chopping and changing all the time because no one's there telling you what the right thing to do is. You're, you know, you have to make those decisions yourself. Um, but in terms of working on the mental side, I would, like I've always kept journals kind of, it's, you learn a lot upon reflection, you know, you just kind of think about uh, events where you played well, kind of what happened around it, all the little bits that were going on outside of the course as well. And um, yeah, just coming up for a better understanding of what kind of mind frame you need to be in to play well. Absolutely. And do you place much of an emphasis onto your nutrition as well when you're on tour? Yeah, but not as much as other sports. Um, yeah. It's important. Uh, like, some people are very into it and others aren't as into it. Like on course nutrition is, is, is simple. You know, it's, it's not a, everyone understands it. It's, and it, everyone does it right off the course, just, you know, putting the right amount of energy in your body to be able to play. But, you know, you don't need your, your body fat to be at a certain level to, to play no. the game. Well, you know, all shapes and sizes do well. So it's, it's more just about energy maintenance, you know, after, if you're playing a few weeks in a row, like eating well is important just to make sure you don't burn out. Um, but it doesn't have the same level of, it won't separate you from the field. It's just that little half a percent that you can do, you know, because you, and you want to feel like you're doing everything you can to play well, but uh, it definitely doesn't replace a putting stroke that doesn't work. <laughs> no, you can't be going and blaming a three put on not having had your, your oats in the morning or anything like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah almost coming to the end here well of what i'd like to ask you um i'd love to know what advice might you give to you know a young golfer now um when maybe say away from the practice range but maybe off the field in terms of how they can improve their their general fitness or anything like that what might you advise uh, a youth golfer at the moment yeah i think it's i think it's uh very personal you know if are you talking about a, someone that wants to be a pro or just wants to improve generally? Yeah, let's say a, a young aspiring golfer. Let's say some guy who is like yourself is maybe on a national, a national squad, maybe early teens yeah. coming into, into late years of school. I think competing as much as possible is, is the number one. You know, um, even in practice, just try to seek out players that are you know, on the same level or better and... and try and compete with them because the, the competition is what really spurs on improvement, you know, more than standing on a driving range on your own, trying to, trying to figure things out. Um, 
So, like, I think that's the one element that, like, if you're to do nothing else, that's it. You know, if you're on the putting green, try and compete against someone on it. You know, if you're competing every day, that's kind of the environment I had in college. And it's just, it's it's a recipe for success, you know. Um, that'd be the most important. Then if someone was turning pro, I think the best advice they could get is to just forget about money. Because, you know, it in this game, it flies in, it flies out just as quick. You know, and if you start counting pennies or questioning how much something costs or looking at the, you know, 50 quid between this flight and that flight, but one of them suits your time better and the other doesn't, you know, we're spending all day uh, searching the internet, trying to find the best deal on a hotel. You know, these these sort of things are just mental energy that do, just doesn't need to be wasted, you know. And I, I turned pro at the same time a lot of my friends did. And you can kind of see different approaches people take. And that that one is is just very has very negative impacts and on your day-to-day routines. You know, you just kind of have to remember that it flies out, but if you do things right, it flies in quicker. That, that's definitely, I, I feel like the, the side of golf, you, you don't really hear about it. You don't really see too much, all the non-glamorous stuff that goes on behind the scenes when you're not on the course, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just dealing with the life, you know, like anyone else's profession, there's a, you have to fit it into, into your life and, kind of encompasses everything you do so um you know everyone deals with it differently but i you know for me definitely definitely if you can you know just have a plan of what you want to do and stick to it uh like competition for me is just the the only thing you want you know the rest of it like would i play golf without competition probably not you know if i had to play by myself all the time i'd give it up pretty quickly so uh the yeah, I, I think that's it, you know, because especially if you start competing with people that are better than you, like in any sport, it kind of just drags your level up. So are you getting all your, your friends down in Greystones and, and your school pals to play in golf? I'm sure no one looks forward to playing you if you're just all about the competition. You're not going to go easy on them, hammering them the whole yeah, time, taking all the money. How well, it's the good thing about golf. You can play with anyone at any level, yeah. you know. Uh, it's not like, you know, say tennis that way. You can't play. If someone's better than you, it's going to be no fun for you. Uh, but yeah, it was definitely. Look, it's 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 different as a pro because you go and practice, and you you're more on. You're not around people that are on the same level as you, you know, as much. So it's easier to get that competition when you're traveling with other you know tour players than it is at home. So um, it's definitely an environment of college that I miss. Do do practice rounds become more important than than maybe I'm thinking myself in terms of it's not just practice for you to RNA creases in your game, but also to maybe get a little bit of a competitive round in against maybe a playing partner before you go out on Thursday. Yeah. I find, especially at this stage, you've played, I've played 90% of the courses we go to already. So practice rounds, you don't learn as much about the course uh, as I would have my first couple of years, but practice rounds can be pretty boring, you know? Yeah. Uh, so it, it definitely adds a little bit of, you know, excitement. And it also, makes you care more you know if you're out in a practice round and you've got a five foot put like you generally just kind of scoop it up and you walk to the next but if you're playing against someone for a hundred quid all of a sudden you know or it doesn't matter what it's for it's just like you don't want to lose you want to beat them so yeah yeah then you've got a little bit of pressure on you which you're going to have in the tournament so it's good practice you know all around making use of them we have a couple of questions paul that we've asked uh, a good few guests so i might fire them your way if that's okay um from a gym perspective, if you could only perform one gym exercise for the rest of your career, what exercise would you pick and why? 
uh, probably a deadlift because uh, it kind of hits all the right areas for me that I would need it to hit and gives it a, you know, I, I just feel like that would be the one that encompasses as much as it could, you know. Most bang for your buck. Exactly. Get that lower limb strength, sort out the, the posture with the upper body as well. Yeah, a bit of grip strength in there too. Bit of grip strength in there as well. What three habits do you think that you have which have contributed to your success so far in your career? Um, I think a consistent warm-up before I play. Um, consistent practice. Um, yeah, I, I think I have I have routines that I go through when I practice that like because I do them so often and in a similar way with a similar attitude to them that over time it's just gonna bring improvement, you know, it has to. So um I'd say those two and I don't know, the third one's probably a bit of luck. <laughs> a bit of luck. <laughs> Everyone needs a bit of that. Brilliant, brilliant. Thanks for sharing. So what does the, the next couple of, of months look like for Paul Dunn? What's, what's the schedule looking like? Yeah, I'm going to play. I'm going to Portugal next week to play and then have the Irish Open. Um, it's just a lot of – we've got a lot of smaller tournaments on at the minute. Yeah. Um, just with the whole schedule kind of being interrupted, they tried to get as many tournaments as they could on. So until November, it's going to be a lot of, you know, kind of two weeks on, one week off type things for me. Um, and then – kick off next season in November, I think. Um, and hopefully we're back to some, some sort of normality by, by the new year, but you just never know. Absolutely. Well, listen, Paul, we look forward to seeing you back on the course full time and hopefully getting uh, your, your second, third, and, and even a few more victories un, under your belt in the coming years. Appreciate your time. No problem. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks again to Paul for joining us on this week's episode. We wish him all the best for the remainder of this golf season and the beginning of the new season come November time. Remember, you can listen to all of our podcasts on Apple and Spotify podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Please make sure to leave us a five-star review as it really helps the podcast to grow. You can also read all of our latest blog posts and keep up to date with all of our services on our website, www.metricsphysio.com. We'll be back soon with another episode of the Measured by Success podcast.